Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 141. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Treg Wilson. Good evening. And our special guest, Matt Bedard, a.k.a. Scotian Canadian. Yo, thanks for having me, guys. Well, we've been trying for quite a while to get you here. I'm super happy to finally get you on. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be here and it's good to see you guys again. It's been a while. Yeah, I think the last time we saw you uh, was at Bubba Ray's having beers and your wife wasn't pregnant yet. Yeah, yeah, we had a fun night later that evening. <laughs> <laughs> and now you guys have your third, Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you saw the, the most recent video, but I did not name him after Cole Caulfield. She suggested it, and I wasn't going to say no because I knew who was in the Habs pipeline, and it uh, goes well with his middle name, which is Caulfield. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, what a what an interesting, different kind of name. I love it. Yeah, so, there's something to be said about women who don't watch hockey, and you can kind of slide those through every now and then. Yeah, I was pretty pleased. She and she's somewhat knowledgeable. I thought she'd catch it, but no, it, it passed. <laughs> pregnancy brain yeah you should have caught on as soon as you went that's a great name honey i fully support you with no argument yeah I'm like wait something's going on here yeah this he is a agrees. few months ago i might even have pulled the uh oh i'm not really sure if that's the one but uh you know and then eventually oh yeah i kind of like it <laughs> it's grown on me for some reason I, I don't know yeah well congratulations anyway it's always great to have yet another addition to the family yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, that's, that's our third now and our last, and uh, it's, it's been really cool to see the siblings kind of, you know, getting to know each other. And, you know, even, you know, we just got through having the second, you know, not that long ago, you know, a year and a half past quick, 
with especially with the lockdowns and COVID and all that stuff. So to be adding a third and going through the process again, it's uh, it's quite exciting. Yeah, I I went a different route. I put about eight years between all my kids, like between the first and the second, and the second yeah. and third. Diaper breaks. Diaper breaks. <laughs> da- Daddy needed to recover. Yeah, I'm on year four now of diapers. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got that. Your kids are all going to be moving out around the same time. Meanwhile, I've got one living on her own with her own kid, and I'm coaching minor hockey. So there's a gap. There's a gap. (laughs) Kind of like Treg, super granddad. Yeah, I got two grandkids, one kid out on her own, one kid I wish was out on his own, and uh, a 17-year-old who will soon be out on her own. So, yeah, things are... Things are going good. And then I can bring the kids in. And then when I don't want them anymore, I can send them away. So grandparenting is great. Yeah. It's the best. Why are you crying? Stop crying. All right, go home. See you later. And then, and then there's (laughs) Matt Smith scoring all kinds of bling medals galore because he's a freaking war hero. That's right. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) With his humanitarian. uh, Yeah. We've done enough fluffing of our own, uh, our own show hosts. So let's just jump into it. Uh, today, as we record, it's the it's May 4th. You know, there's the jokes, May the 4th will be with you and what on and so forth. Um, but the news about Tom Wilson's punishment for being a total douchebag on the ice has come down. And Department of Player Safety has decided, eh, fuck it, we don't give a shit. So here's $5,000. What do you guys think? Like, it, can he afford that? I mean, I don't know. Well, you want me to start? Because I mean, I'm gonna—I'm not sure if I fall in line with the with the popular take on it. Maybe you guys should start. I don't want your viewers to hate me right off the bat. Go ahead, you're the guest. You're the yeah. guest. Give her. Go ahead, man. Okay. Um, on. Jeez, where do I even start? I think there's like there was a, an, an incident a couple weeks ago where I, I I'm having a hard time remembering. I probably should have looked it up before coming on here, but Tom literally didn't do anything a couple weeks ago, and like he was being treated as if he needed to be kicked out of the league. I wish I could remember what it was, but I think just because of his name now, just anything he does gets like broken down and slowed down to a fraction of a second. Like they're looking at the, uh, I mean, now they're saying it's being compared to Bertuzzi and they're saying he grabbed Panarin by the hair and pulled him down. And I'm like, I'm not so sure I see that. Like, like the, what I would say to that is, there's a common occurrence when there's scrums and when there's fights that you wrap your arm around the guy's head. And when, so when you fall or if you're going to fall, he doesn't hit his head. So to me, that's what it kind of looked like he might've been going to do there. And the two of them lose balance and they fall to the ice. Uh, They've got it They're They're going frame by frame and they're trying to make it seem like it was this violent act. Now, what I will say is the very sneaky, uh, choke with the stick on Buchnevich and the crease and then the punch to the head that's greasy I feel like that is probably should have been suspension worthy considering his past history but any everything after that and the and the issue with Panarin I mean it's an unfortunate incident that a superstar in the NHL goes down and now he's out for the rest of the season um but I, I don't see the whole hair pull thing. And I don't think he was purposely trying to slam a guy's head into the ice. Uh, that's, that's just me. I, I don't see it. 
I don't think he was trying to slam his head in the ice, but I do think that he was trying to just pull him down, make him look bad. And he, he did have his hand clutching hair. So yeah, his arm was in behind his head when he fell, which is, which is worked out okay because he didn't have his helmet on, but he did, he did grab that hair. So that wasn't even part of the, the whole player review. It was just the Bushnevich issue, which was trash and probably a game maybe but yeah. uh if i if i were on the ice on the other team i might uh, i would have i would have had to step up and fight because that's you know i mean i'm not much of a hockey player anymore but that that's what i used to do because i sucked so i did that but if i were on that team on the rangers i would try to fight them and if that didn't work out then the very next game you're throwing pucks in deep you're taking out their goalie you're going after one of their star players there's a tit for tat that's going to have to come from this. Oh, and, and there will. And I mean, Tom, Tom Wilson will answer the bell. No problem. He'll fight the whole team one by one. If they oh, no, want not, to. not for him to fight for you went after one of our stars. Now we're going after one of yours. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I'll keep going. I mean, like I said, and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here and, and I, I very well could be wrong, but I just didn't see the hair pull. And, uh, I just, and, and granted, I am a Tom Wilson fan, not, not necessarily a Tom Wilson fan alone, but I just like all the, the gritty players like Radko Gudas. I'd take him on, on our team. I'd take Tom Wilson any day, Matt Martin, just bring them all in. That's why I loved when we got Josh Anderson, because I knew that teams wouldn't be able to do what Wilson did to us because we now have players that can stick up for themselves. Like, uh, and, and good on Panarin for jumping in the scrum in the first place, especially considering it was Tom Wilson in there. Um, but yeah, I found the, the statement that the Rangers put out a bit, a bit uh, dramatic. Um, I mean, you know, this is probably not where you thought this was going to go, but no, I just, no, no. I that's what I want. Someone's got to, someone's got to, you know, say the other side especially considering how twitter's going off right now i fall <laughs> yeah. much more in line with with guys like wit and uh a lot of the nhl players who are coming out now and saying they'd love to have tom on their team i just uh i definitely think that the first bit is suspension worthy with with Bujnevich there but i just slowing slowing a play down frame by frame and trying to say that it was an intentional and he should be kicked out of the league i think is well, I think it's a little unrealistic. Considering, considering a couple weeks ago, like I said, he did something that was just literally nothing. And I, I wish I could go back and find the example, but, and he was getting, he was getting, you know, crapped on for that. It's almost the same thing. They see his, his name on the, on the back of the Jersey. And it's like, we need to find a reason to get him out of the league. Guys hate him. And, you know, it's, and I, I remember being a kid and absolutely loathing Brad Marchand. And now, you know, maybe a Bruin, but I love him. Yeah. I still like bags of uh, still like bags of dog shit on fire and throw them on his dock. He just lives right over here. Your guys' turn. Tell me why I'm wrong and I'm an idiot. Yeah. I don't, well, all I'm going to say about the Tom Wilson thing is with Panoran, he, I, I I think he grabbed his hair. It looked like he grabbed his hair to me. Uh, but even after he got him down, the way that he picked him up and then slammed him back down two or three times while he was on the ice, that to me, I thought, okay. You already pulled him down. You already, you know, Panarin's not a, a rough guy. He's not a fighter. He's not a whatever. There was no need for while you were yelling at the referee to keep slamming him down into the ice, right? 
personally, the Panarin thing, I don't think it's a suspendable thing. I don't think it's uh whatever. The Butchnevich thing I thought was greasy and dirty. He pretty much came down on the back of his neck with his hockey stick. And then while he was lying there on the ice, punched him. Well, I mean, punched his helmet. He didn't really punch him. Let's, let's be honest here. He punched his helmet. Uh, and I, I thought that was a bit greasy. I'm kind of like you, Matt. I, I think what he did should have been a suspension, like at least a game or something. Uh, but Tom Wilson is the type of player I would love to have on my team. Uh, I really would. Uh, I would not. If Montreal went out in the offseason and traded for Tom Wilson, that would not bother me in the least. Uh, now I know there's some people out here and maybe on a certain other podcast uh, that would probably hate it and go on about it, but uh, I personally wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't mind that. However, his actions, I think, in that game, I think were over the top. I don't think they were necessary on both players. Um, we all know what type of player Tom Wilson is. He does that dirty stuff. He is that gritty player. That's why we love to hate him. And why I say love to hate him is we hate him when we're playing against him. But if he was in our team, we'd be defending everything he did. So, uh, well, maybe not everything, but. Well, um, and if he did that, it, if he did that to one of our players, say a Suzuki or uh, to Foley, we, who's be, got long we'd, hair, we'd, I mean, I'd probably feel a little bit differently. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to hide behind that, but. Yeah. But I, I just mean, I, I think his actions in that scrum were a bit over the top, a bit. And for a repeat offender, I thought a game, at least a game, for the Bushnevich thing, I don't think the Panarin thing is anything. Yes, he got hurt, but I don't think he did anything you don't normally see in any other scrum in the NHL. The way I look at it, if you want to get that shit out of there, then the referees and linesmen break up those scrums right away. Get in there and break it up right away. Well, you could job. wait. You could wait for Department of Player Safety to say, "Okay, well, we're going to give you a game." And that solves it. But let's be honest, you're not going to wait. You, you can't let that stuff slide. Yes, it should have been at least one game. That one game, maybe two at the most, just because he's a repeat offender. Uh, but it's the Panarin uh, interaction that I think is going to get the bigger response out of the Rangers. And that's why the Rangers put out their statement. But on the ice, like I said, a tit for tat. They're going to go after a, a capital star player in the next game. Guarantee it. Are There's they with Tom be... Wilson on the ice, though? Yep. Even Tom Wilson on the ice. They're going to do it during the game. They're going to go after a goalie. They're going to hit a guy from behind. They're going to call up some goon from Hartford. Something. They're going to do something. Is that okay? No. No. What, what he did wasn't okay. The response won't be okay. But – that's the unwritten code. You, you can't disrespect another player the way he did and not get something in return. And this, this is going to happen. The, this is when the Department of Player Safety got to do their job to stop that from happening. And they did not. <clears throat> and I think, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I think George Peros is doing a shitty job as head of the Department of Players. It's not George Peros. George Peros follows the commands he's given from above. It's Colin Campbell. All right. Well, whoever's running it, I think it's a terrible job. I think we all know that from the hits to the head that we've seen this year, especially, I mean, as Montreal fans, let's just look at the three on Montreal that kind of went unpunished. The one on Cotton Yemi, the one on uh, Armia, and who else? There was one on Cotton Yemi again. Cotton Yemi again, Calgary. Uh, And nothing, absolutely nothing, right? And you look at, uh, there was one with Chara against Washington there earlier in the season, and you know, nothing. 
And I think that's where it comes down to like player safety got to do their job. And if they do their job, then the players on the ice don't have to resort to this 1960s, 1970s Sean Abel in the movie, the rocket type, uh, type scenarios. Now I think what's going to happen though, is the Rangers are going to end up with a bigger fine than Tom Wilson did with their comment that they put out on Twitter. I think they're going to end up with a much larger fine than Tom Wilson's. They probably will. And I mean, I agree with you guys. Like, I don't think the department of player safety is doing pulling their weight whatsoever. I mean, what's the harm in, in suspending Tom Wilson, even if you give him five, what's the harm in it? We're at the end of the season. They're making the playoffs. I mean, like, why wouldn't you want to, you know, Panarin's one of the best players in the league, regardless if I think that, you know, you know, what happened with Panarin there was an accident or you know, on purpose or not, there really was no harm in giving him games, especially considering when he did just before that to Buchnevich. So whoever it is, George Peros or Colin Campbell, who, you know, they're being consistent, but just in the wrong way. Consistently not calling anything or not, not giving out anything for anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at, uh, look, look at McDavid. He throws elbows like crazy. And no, no, God, no, it's not, it's not like Bertuzzi at all. No, it's nowhere near that. No, nowhere near no, that. No. Trust me, I know. I know Todd well. <laughs> Sorry, Trey, I cut you off. McDavid and the elbows. Yeah. I, I mean, was just saying, look at McDavid with the elbows. Like he throws about eight elbows a game. Right? It's One okay. He's days, a superstar. But that's Cloud. my point. One of these days, he's going to throw an elbow that, you know, is going to hurt someone or take someone's head off. And guess what? Nothing's going to happen to him. Why? Because he's Connor McDavid. And I'm not saying Tom Wilson get anything because he's Tom Wilson. Usually it's the other way around for guys like Tom Wilson. But they got to call something. Matt, what do you got to say? You're sitting there all quiet and drinking your beer. I'm just enjoying the beer. It's my first. It's it's. I'm I'm off as of today, right? So I'm, <laughs> I'm just having a great time over here. Um, so we've brought up the statement a few times. So I actually have the statement here. I might as well just read it off really quick. Um, so statement from the Rangers. New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these type of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action to suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to our Timmy Panarin that will prevent him from playing a game again this season. We view this as a, a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety George Peros and believe he is unfit to continue his current role. So that was the statement. And my thoughts on the whole situation, I'm kind of in line with Matt. I think that um, he's done much worse things than this, right? He was suspended 20 games for his hit on, was it Oscar, Oscar Sungfest? Then he didn't get suspended again until this year where he hit Carlo and he, that was in March and he missed seven games. So he has had a lengthy suspension already this season. Um, I think, as you guys said, I think the Bushnevich thing was a lot worse than uh, the Panarin incident. Obviously, the Panarin incident's only going to be brought up because he is a superstar player, and it would be the same way if it was any other superstar player. Um, obviously, you don't like seeing guys get hurt. There was a big scrum, um, but I don't think it's warranted the attention that it's getting right now. And I think it's more the, the it's the it's the name. It's Tom Wilson's name, and um, 
uh, you know, a suspension, you know, a few games for what he did. Like I said it was greasy what he did to Busnevich in front of the net. I think we'd leave it at that. He's going to be a guy that, uh, yeah, teams, the, the Rangers are going to go after him next time they play. Other teams might go after him now for it. Who knows? But as, uh, as Matt alluded to, he's a guy that's going to, he'll take on the whole team if he has to. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. And like aesthetically, the Panarin thing looked bad. I just don't see the in- intent there. And I think a lot of people not, and not specifically to this Tom Wilson incident, but there's a lot of people and I'm not trying to generalize that, that just, I think we're forgetting that even without players like Tom Wilson, who play on the line, sometimes cross it, even without those guys, hockey's still a really fucking dangerous sport. Absolutely. And unfortunate things happen. And I think what happened to Panarin personally was just an unfortunate incident. And I just don't see the, the intent. Maybe I'm I wrong. Don't th- I don't think it would ever happen in Montreal because we have Paul Byron. Paul Byron will get himself <laughs> suspended fighting that, sh- that shit off guaranteed i would but <laughs> you know just look what he's done in the past part of a lion <laughs> all right uh, i think we've covered enough tom wilson shenanigans for now uh Us wilson's get a bad rap that's all i'm saying yeah uh, well I the one thing the one thing tom i'll say before we move up. on is that i do agree no. that more than likely the the rangers are going to receive some sort of fine from this oh yeah yeah uh, and, yeah, um, and, 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 you know, to tie the, the Habs into this, when um, the, the whole situation, remember the, when the ref told um, Gallagher to, to go fuck himself because he, after he got cross-checked on the neck a couple times? Um, yeah, Julian got a $10,000 fine for that, for, yep. for speaking out against the ref. So Yeah, but that was a bit more legitimate than what the Rangers are doing here. I don't know. The Personally, Rangers are think, a powerhouse uh, Rangers, franchise, right? right? So they, most expensive. They are, but I mean, yeah. Julian was protecting his player from obvious and blatant. That's true. That's true. Bad refereeing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, and what I mean, you literally seen the ref tell a player to go fuck himself because yeah. the player was saying, "Man, why didn't you call that?" Yeah. Wasn't right? that Tim Peel? Yes. Yeah, probably. Rangers playing to the playing to the crowd. A a little bit i think with this statement because they see everyone fired up about it it, it was a bit melodramatic it worked it worked it got, got like trig going. Oh, i know that's perfect i love that <laughs> i agree i agree but like geez, next time i write somebody a 5b that's what i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> uh all right so we'll move on to uh to the misquoting of josh anderson so josh anderson in an interview just before the Toronto game where the Canadians apparently stole the game illegally away from the dynasty powerhouse juggernaut Leafs. That's so just before TSN that game. said earlier though. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> he was asked about the differences between defending Connor McDavid and defending Austin Matthews. And he said, they are two different players. McDavid has so much speed and skill and his hockey sense is off the charts. And Matthews, like I said, he scores every game, so you got to know where he is on the ice. It seems that Marner usually likes to find him. He's pretty good at that. From there, some, uh, I'm not even going to name this guy, but some, uh, some media member out of uh, Toronto said, according to Josh Anderson, the big difference between playing against McDavid versus Matthews is Matthews has Marner on his line. So he's just trying to, uh, you, you you mentioned it. You're playing to the crowd. The Rangers were playing to the crowd. 
this guy was playing to the Homer Leaf crowd. He knew the response he was going to get from that. Yeah. Like, because people are going to read that and be like, what the fuck? He's saying, he's saying Matthews isn't good without Marner. Like, come on. Like, let's, I think everyone knows that Matthews is one of the best players in the league. Top three. I mean, it's just, I don't know. And it's just typical Toronto media stuff. And it, you know, if you're not, if you're not filleting Matthews all the time, it's not enough. Yeah. Clicked on the guy's name. I thought he wrote for editor and leaf or something. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, this guy's, this guy's actually, this, this guy's actually legitimate. What's up? What's going on? Right. So I don't know. My two cents on it. According two, to editor and leaf. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish. Okay. Your my two cents is just, it was just, they're just trying to fire the crowd up. Just like, just like editor, just like it was, it was clickbait. That's all it was. Clickbait, yep. get responses. And when you look at the full context of it, what Josh Anderson said is a very, objective honest and realistic take on matthews and marner as two great players that happen to play together (laughs) like i mean i mean editor editor here's the thing and editor league's part of it and i i don't know if you have anyway toronto has matthews is a great player i'm sorry he is but mcdavid's a better player and and toronto doesn't like the fact that matthews is not the greatest player in the nhl right now Let's be honest. Matthews, it doesn't even lead his team in scoring. It's Marner. Points. Matthews. In points. In points, yeah. Matthews leads in goals. He leads the entire league. He's going to win the Rocket Richard. He's probably going to get 40 goals in a 50-game schedule, and good for him. He deserves it. He's a great player. He's a, he, he can score goals from anywhere. Uh, because, but, Matthew, because Matthews gets passes from Marner. <laughs> you think that – question, though. Do you think that would happen playing all, all teams this year? No, no. I think I think if we had an 82 game schedule. Yes, I think uh, Matthews can score 40, maybe 50 goals. Well, but I don't think he would get 40 goals in 50 games. I think he would have had a 50 goal season had they had an 82 game schedule. Yeah, and I also don't think Connor McDavid would be on a 162 point pace if we were playing all teams in an 82 game schedule. Yeah, and that and you have to look at that too. Like I mean, there's a lot of on pace records going to happen this season. And we're getting into a different topic now, but Tyler Toffoli, Tyler yeah, Toffoli, yeah. Tyler Toffoli would never be a forty goal scorer in a regular NHL. He only he's only got 10 thirty goals maybe less, ten goals less than Matthews. Maybe. Matthews is getting paid almost twelve million dollars, and the difference between him and Toffoli is eight million bucks. So you got eight million dollars for a ten goal scorer. Way to go, Toronto. I, I would never put Toffoli in the same conversation as Matthews. I see what you're doing there. Just though. did it. <laughs> if you um, take away those 10 goals, all he is is Toffoli. I mean, eh, and then eh. look at the Toronto too. The Toronto media is trying to justify Matthews winning a heart trophy. And he's not. Yeah. And he's, he's not. not. He's but, not. They, but they're trying to justify it because, I mean, is he in the heart race? Yeah, he'll probably be one of the three in there. But it's yeah. hands down going to McDavid. Uh, I don't even know why you have to pick anything. And I'm going to Edder and Leaf. He was suggesting if you take away the 10 games where, uh, what was it? Uh, McD- uh, Matthew's hand was hurt. He'd be lead in the league. He'd have 50 goals or I don't know what he, anyway, he was. As soon as he started not scoring goals, which wasn't very often this season, they reached out and they were like, oh, it's his hand hurts. It's like, well, yeah. we don't, you okay. know, we, we, we didn't need that story. Maybe you just having care. a. No one cares. Yeah, no one gives a shit. I think I see it. There's an excuse here. Oh, hold on. I'm reaching. Yeah, exactly. 
There it is. Uh, like we know the guy's a goal scorer. We know he's a good player. Like players go through slumps. It is what it is. Even you know even 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 the good ones have their bad days. It is what it is. Yeah. You don't need the you don't need the oh well, you know, we think that maybe when he was when he was shaving, you know, maybe his arm let go. Like we don't need to know all this shit. Like, you know, it's bull it's bullshit. It's just cotton nail toilet paper. That's all I need to know. So now what do you Matthews think? Matthews goes through slumps every year too, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another one kick up in a few weeks. Well, it usually That'd does. That'd be a real shame. It so okay. He'll put, a, he'll put up here. six points in the playoffs all in one game. Everyone will think that he's so incredible. And <laughs> exactly. then he'll Matt, do, he'll do nothing for the rest. Right? So. The, when I sit there and say Matthews is a good playoff performer, and they yell, well, he's a point per game. Out of the seven games he played, he scored in two of them. Yeah. He just happened to score three in one and four in the other. Or last yeah. year. I think last year was the only season where he was a point per game in the playoffs. And the five games. That wasn't the playoffs, though. Well, the play ins. They didn't make seven, the playoffs. Toronto was seven not a playoff team five last games. year. He had seven points in five games, but he scored six of them in two. And you God know, like, forbid you point that out to Leafs fans. I mean, it's just a fact. But I, and I said that, and everyone's like, whoa, whoa. Oh, you're expecting him to score every game? Yes. Yes, I am. In the playoffs, <laughs> I expect Matthews to score every game. Sorry, but I do. Just like I expect Carey Price to win every game. Just like I expect, you know, Connor McDavid to score every game because that's what they're there for. That's why they're a superstar, right? Sidney Crosby scored almost every game in the playoffs going into when they won, when they when their Stanley Cup or any playoff race he plays. Sidney Crosby puts the effort in and gets the points. These Nate guys McKinnon. have to as well. Nate McKinnon does. You know, like you, Even I'm sorry, Brad, but Brad Marchand. Brat, hard to say. Marshawn all day over McDavid. If I'm building the team, by the way, who Marshawn or McKinnon? McKinnon. I'm oh, taking I would McKinnon, take McKinnon over everybody every fucking day. See we're him. Build, uh, we're building a Cole Harbor team right? now. We're gonna put Joey DePenta on defense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first guy to bring the Stanley Cup to Cole Harbor. That's right, Joey DePenta. <laughs> now. We've been talking about this whole misquoting. Let's move on to the game, the actual game, the Canadians, the Leafs. The Habs were supposed to, they were, they came in as underdogs, huge underdogs. I mean, they, you know, played, this is their third game in four nights. They just had uh, an overtime game against Winnipeg, two back-to-back comeback wins. And then they're playing against the juggernaut, cannot be defeated, go 16-0 and for the Stanley Cup. Maple Leafs. When they lose, it's because they didn't play well. Maple Leafs. That's right. They handed the game to the Habs because they felt bad for them. It was the yeah. I'm going to sit in front of the podium because I'm Jack Campbell and blame myself when I actually played a good game. Leafs. Yeah. Yeah. He's done it every yeah. time. He did it like the and I brought this up a couple shows ago. Every time he's lost now, and like the first time he lost when was against the Canadians. And he got beat on some really good shots that other goalies wouldn't have stopped either. And he gets in front of the camera and he's like, I let the team down. It's like, no, you didn't. And it was the same thing this time. I thought, 
I thought Campbell was one of the stars of the game last night. That save he made on Anderson there uh, with his uh, his leg, yeah, his left foot or whatever, his yeah. left leg. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was an amazing save. I really love that save he made on Cole Caulfield. Oh wait, he didn't make that save on Cole Caulfield. In overtime. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was uh, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, missed that. Oh no, we're gonna get to overtime here in a minute. But let's let's um, just talk about the five on uh, the the uh, the sixty minutes of regulation for now. I. The Canadians in the last three games have been night and day different from the Canadians we saw uh, in April. You can go back four games to the first Toronto game. I thought they yeah. played well in that first Toronto game, yeah. even though they lost four one. They, they made they made too many mistakes in that one. Right. Yeah. And and Toronto capitalized on every chance they got. Oh, absolutely. When you got when you got star power like that, guaranteed yeah. they're going to bury it. Um, but yeah, the Canadians they're they're skating better. They're uh, they're moving the puck a little bit quicker. Do you think? Now I'm going to go to the, our our special guest Matt. Do you feel like this is they're just finally getting in the groove, or do you feel like because some of the older guys who are out hurt have opened the door for the young guys? Like, what what do you think is the main reason behind this? That's a good question, and I think there's there's um, you know I think you can see it both ways. I know Shea Weber being out and, you know, Romanov getting a chance to quarterback a power play has been a blessing. Would they have made that decision if Shea Weber was healthy? I mean, they hadn't to that point. So you have to think they would have just kept doing the same thing. I would hope that now they've seen um, how the power play can operate without them, that they might rethink how they're assigning Shea Weber's minutes. Because, um, I mean, I still think Shea Weber, uh, when healthy especially, is a massive part of this team. I think the coaches could do a bit better of a job, you know, putting him hit, put it, putting him in roles to succeed where he can help the team a little bit more than he has lately. Or, you know, maybe it was because of his injury that he was struggling, but at the same time, I, I have to agree with what a lot of people say is that he's just not, he's not that dynamic on the, on the power play. He's a, he's a, a shot option, basically. He's half decent at keeping the puck in at the blue line. But other than that, I mean, his passes are hard to receive and he's not, you know, doing things that are, you know, creative and, and, and done by the younger guys in the NHL these days. Could he have a minimal role on the power play still? Sure. Could he not play the power play at all? Sure. I mean, he could still help them out in, in different ways. I don't think the team is better without him. I just like, I don't think they're better without Gallagher or Drouin or Tatar or, you know, whoever else. Um, but it has been nice to see these guys get chances. And I hope uh, they've shown the coaches enough for them to keep some of these minutes that they've uh, really, in my opinion, earned throughout the season. You look at a guy like Jake Evans. I mean, he, he was scratched for Eric Stahl and I never understood that whatsoever. Granted Stahl might've needed a little time to adjust to a new team, but even still, I think Jake Evans is the better center at this point in their careers. But um yeah, I mean, I like how they're playing. I, I missed the first two games being in the hospital for the birth of Cole. But um, when I came out and uh, watched the highlights, I'm like, what? what is this team that I'm watching here? Like, it's just the transition was unbelievably different from the games prior to that. I mean, maybe we've got a little bit too used to watching them play the Calgary Flames to just make every game boring as fuck. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. what do you guys think? <laughs> I definitely oh. agree on your flames comment. That's for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Trey, you got something there, don't you? Uh, no, I was just going to say. Uh, okay, like never I, mind, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like I say, if you go back to the four-one loss to the Leafs, 
Uh, I thought the Canes were the better team in that game. I think they've been uh, they've been using, and we've talked about it on the show. They're using the defense to drive the offenses, and that's what they were doing at the first of the year. And now they're back to that at this point in the year. I think we're seeing more of a Dom Ducharme style hockey uh, than what we were seeing before. Um, I agree with you. Everything you say about Shea Weber, Shea Weber is at the stage in his career where he got to be still a top four defenseman, just not on the top line or the top power play. I don't mind him on a second power play unit. The shot is still valuable. The shot's still going to put, go in the net. You know what I mean? Like he he can still, there's a reason he has a hundred and some odd power play goals. Uh, I just don't think it's, everyone knows it's coming when he's on the ice. That that's the problem with the power play with Shea Weber on the ice. Everyone now, Matt, uh, sorry, Blaine brought up a good idea probably a month ago. Use him as a decoy, you know, have him out there, use him as a decoy. Everyone's going to think he's going to shoot and let the other guys, but it doesn't work with the younger players since with Romanov on there and Suzuki and Toffoli. Now I know a lot of people want Caulfield on that top power play unit, but why change it out when it's working? That unit, as it is right now, is working. I get everyone wants to see Caulfield with that big one-timer uh, at the OV spot, which he wasn't playing on, by the way, in the Leafs game. He was on the other side. Um, sure, that's great. But right now, that's Suzuki, Toffoli, Romanov. Uh, I think Perry's on that. Uh, that that's working. They're scoring. They're And it's all Suzuki, if you ask me. Suzuki's the real quarterback of that power play. He's leading the charge in that power play. And rightfully so. And Blaine, I think you're right. I think the youth movement's coming along. They're starting, they're picking up the game and Suzuki said it. We got to, you know, we got to play at the right time. We got to bring our game at the right times and and they're bringing it. Um, So I would go with, it's going to be a hard decision for Dom to make when these guys, day-to-day guys get come back like Byron and Tatar and, I don't think you're going to see Drew or Gallagher back before the playoffs. You may not see Drew back again, but uh, it'll be a hard decision to see where they slot in and how they do, especially in the Ottawa game with Caulfield on the top line to see how he does with, with Anderson and Deneau. Yeah. Cause in practice, he was, uh, he's slotted on that top line right now. Yeah. Caulfield is. And I, I like that line of Lekin and Cotton, Yemi and Evans too. They're that third line that I think yeah. that's going to be, I like Evans. I, I agree with you too, Matt. I, I, he was hot when they took him out and I was like, why are you taking, and then stall scored the overtime. So everyone got kind of, you know, rose colored glasses over that. And then right. the real stall came out and you're like, Jesus, like this guy's an anchor. And, uh, and he played Evans a good game back, that first game too, in general. Yeah. So, so to have a good game and then score the OT winner, it was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. But after that, it was, it was questionable. No, well, in the that, last couple that, games, the last couple games has been good. Yeah. yeah, but the last couple of games, Stahl has been okay. He's looked okay. He's done his job properly. What you expect of him, he's done that. Evans brings that extra dimension. He's got that speed. He's got that drive. It's that youthful exuberance that Evans is just everywhere. And he's got that chemistry going with Caulfield. You watch them on the ice. Caulfield's constantly getting open, and Evans is always trying to get him that puck. So it, it seems to be working there. Now, the whole reason Stahl wasn't sat, it's a cap reason. They didn't have yeah. enough cap to, uh, to bring someone up. And you can't just send Stahl down to the taxi squad because then the entire cap counts because right now they got 50% down in Buffalo. So 
spending to the cap and then all the the um the shifts the taxi squad movement there after the deadline that's that's really handcuffed the canadians yeah i mean uh is joen doing his old coach a favor taking a little couple weeks off <laughs> maybe not maybe. I'm, not, I'm trying not to don't want to make any assumptions but if Duran returns to the pl- for the playoffs that'd be something else I'm, I'm not expecting it at this point and I, all the best to him I've criticized him but you're in the NHL you deserve some criticism but at the same time I've also been a huge supporter of him as well and, and been by his side from the moment he's been with us till this season as well so um, but uh, I think there's something to be said too about Ducharme, it was hard to see all the the shit he was taking, you know, as a head coach and, you know, he's not going to be back next season and whatever. So I'm glad to see the tides turning a little bit. And it's funny to see him continually switching the lines up. But he said something early in the season or early when he took over is that he wants everyone on the team to have chemistry with each other. And he hasn't really swayed from that. Maybe it's hurt them a little bit here and there to this point. But I think you're seeing it kind of come together a little bit here and there, especially on, on their power play. Like we're not seeing guys static and stuck in the same spot. They're playing in all different areas. They're moving around a little bit better. So I think the chemistry is coming along. So hopefully uh, it, it continues that way. And all these line juggling, all these line uh, changes makes it easier for these guys to play together when it really matters. And you have to make adjustments on the fly in the playoffs. That is, that is the hope. If that's his plan the whole time, that's, uh, you know, he's playing 4D checker, uh, chess while we're all playing checkers, like, uh, which I'm hoping is true. I, I really yeah. do. Because I do agree with Treg. Like, it seems more like Dom Ducharme hockey lately. Like, with yeah. the transitions being this way, he's, you know, and then they said it early on when he took over as he's really trying to let guys be creative offensively. And that's the Dom Ducharme I know. Yeah. That's I how mean, he was here in Halifax. Yeah, I wrote an article saying he needs a deep playoff run to keep his job. I don't think he does now. Like my mind has kind of changed on that since I wrote that article. Mainly being is he never got a chance to have two, three, four practices in a row with the team. Like it's sort of like, all right, let's have a practice. And then we got to work on this one thing and then a game. All right, we worked on that one thing last practice. Let's work on this thing. Instead of having a practice where they work on this, next practice they work on that, next practice they work on that. Oh, we get a game. Okay, play the game. All right, this is what we screwed up on. Now let's have some practice on that. He hasn't really had that chance to have a full. So you'll probably see him back next year. I don't, I'm not, I'm up in the air. I don't care if we can bring him back or not. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm okay, depending on who they bring in if they don't bring him back. Um, but if they bring him back, I'm good with that too. I, I think. Well, I'm, I'm a big Bergevin supporter and I'm, a, I'm in yeah. the same boat at this point. I don't care whether or not they bring him back. I mean, I probably yeah. prefer, cause I, I do have faith in, in what Bergevin yeah. does in terms of management style. But at this point, you know, whether, you know, if they happen to get rid of them, then, you know, it's hard. To but defend. I will say this, if they're going to lose Bouchard, I'd rather them keep Bouchard and lose Ducharme. Right. Personally. All right. Um, so we'll move on to the overtime then. Um, apparently the Canadians cheated and came up with a coaching plan in overtime where they just held on to the puck. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> I can't oh, believe people are fishing about that. You know what? You know, it might not be the most exciting thing, but you know what? The strategy so far has worked. It's uh, It's got Caulfield two overtime winning goals. And... 
the fact that some of the media, or not even the media, it's mostly fans, but I'm sure if I looked it up, I could find some in the media. There's some in the media. That are actually saying that, the, that in overtime, they should have a shot clock put in. <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. How many times have we seen just a... Um, a power play where it's like pass the puck, pass the puck, pass the puck. And God forbid, like we don't have fans in the audience to yell, shoot the fucking puck, you know, anymore. Right. So you got to provide, you know, you got to provide me at home yelling that as loud as I can. But I say we go one step further, forget overtime and just have this thing where you have a breakaway challenge. I don't know. It, it sounds gimmicky. Like a oh, yeah, it sounds like a skills competition. Like a shootout. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's, like it's ridiculous what they're talking about now. And you know what? They're just trying to put a bandaid over the fact that a depleted Canadians roster beat the Leafs. That's all it is. And yeah. especially the fact that the Leafs had a 2-1-0, didn't get a shot. And then the person that broke a lot, if not all of Matthew's goal scoring records, scored the OT winner. That's the real story. They had a $23 million two-on-o breakaway. Yeah. Didn't get a shot. Well, another guy suggested that they have like a red line be like half court in basketball where oh in overtime, you can't, you can't go back. If you go back on it, you, uh, you oh lose the puck. Lord. You have to give the puck up. You know what I think they should do is when they start overtime, all the players on the bench should take their skates off and <laughs> they should play the game without skates. That's what I think. Yeah. No, I just seriously, I just, when are we going to stop adjusting how the game's played? I mean, I think the, the sport is perfect the way it is. Yeah. I mean, three on three in general was a massive change to how the, how the game is played. And I actually agree with it. It ends games quicker. It's very exciting for the fans, but at some point we have to just accept it for what it is. And that's why I love playoff hockey. It's five on five until somebody wins. And um, yeah, it's just, I, I just, I'm sick and tired of uh, the Leafs fan base thinking they should be gifted everything i mean they got lucky with getting matthews and you know congrats good it's not really being lucky it's just let's not play our good players and let's play a bunch of bums from the ahl and then we'll lose games intentionally and but winning the draft lottery it came down to one ball dropping their way had the ball not dropped their way the only other team that had a chance of winning on that last ball was the canadians so it was, it was, he was either going to be Toronto or Montreal Canadian. Yeah. And just, and just and think, just think the uh, they almost got Lafreniere as well. Yeah. Oh, they almost imagine? did. I and then, so, yeah. <laughs> but ever since then, it's like they expect to just have everything given to them. That's right. And I just, I don't get it from that fan base. And I, and I think, if Leafs fans are listening to this, they're not going to like it too much, but I think the two fan bases between the Habs and the Leafs are almost polar opposites. And I think a big reason for that is all of us have witnessed lots of playoff hockey. I'm talking about Habs fans. We've witnessed a lot of playoff hockey through our lifetimes. It's definitely so we know how fans. hard it is to get through. And we know that even if you're good, you may not get through. So, and, and in terms of the Leafs, they just don't know what it's like. And they think that you're just supposed to like build a great team. And all of a sudden here's your Stanley cup. Yeah. And that's just not yeah, how yeah. it goes. And I'll even spend that the other way. Like there's been years that the Canadians are, you're not going to do a thing. Like remember when they beat, um, they beat Washington and Pittsburgh back to back. 
nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Right. I so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I agree with you 100. I agree 100 with you. But you're right well, about the fan base. You right now, too. Like, sorry, Trey, go ahead. I was just saying the fan base. Much in Montreal, all our players are shit, and every prospect we have is going to be a dud. Whereas in Toronto, no matter who's on the team, it's the greatest player that ever played the game. That's right. Oh, we picked up Joe Thornton at 47 years old. He's going to be awesome. No, but okay, you know. And Robertson. Yeah, all their prospects are the best prospects. It's the best defenseman coming in. Nick Robertson and Montreal were the exact opposite. Oh, we got that guy. Yeah, he'll probably suck for us, even though he had like 500 point seasons. And then when he only gets an 80 point season, he's the worst player in the history of Montreal Canadiens. And that's just the way our fan base, our fan. And the reason being, and I'll tell you why this is Toronto for so long, never won anything forever harold ballard years so anytime they get anyone with a little bit of whatever it's the great it's like christmas for us we won so much right up until 93 that now that we're not winning anything or getting anything it's just all trash yeah and that's like when it's like when galchenyuk went to the team it's like you know Montreal, you know, Montreal fails at their development in Galchenyuk and Leafs turn him to a superstar and all this stuff. And you're just like, shut He's up. on pace for 22 points. Right. So <laughs> over back, an 82 game schedule. <laughs> so back to the Leafs. I've never seen a more smug yet. Uh, Baseless. Uh, insecure. The most yes. smug yet insecure fan base I have ever seen in any sport. <laughs> they are so smug. Like you mentioned, everybody's the greatest Oh, we won a game. Oh, great Papon. And then, <laughs> and they do it because great it's based on, <laughs> based on some kind of insecurity. They have an inferiority complex for some reason. You have possibly the best Maple Leafs team they've put together in 30 years. Yet you're so goddamn insecure. You're bitching and moaning about a fucking overtime that you lost. Just get over it. It's just one game. You lost an overtime game. It's okay. And if you were so bored that the Canadians were cycling around in the neutral zone, why don't you bitch and moan about your players hanging out in their own defensive zone, waiting, not doing a yeah. thing. Not, not forechecking, not attacking that little just or, spinner. Or not call out Nylander for you know going after Petrie and leaving Caulfield wide open to come in and score. I mean, you saw it coming too. P- oh, Caulfield absolutely. the boards and Oh yeah. Oh, this is a goal. Two guys went this way and it's this whole side was open. Yeah. I blame uh to be honest with you, I blame the hockey news for the Toronto because of their cover when they said it's not about how many. It's not about when, it's about how many. Yeah. Talk once they got Tavares and it all went to shit from there. That was the most ridiculous shit. That is exactly where I think my thought of uh, you know, they think it's just a gift. Once you, you know, get a certain set of guys you know, you're going to get there, but it's just, it's not that easy. And like, I would say, and and I have no problem saying that, like you guys said, this is the best Toronto Maple Leafs team we've seen in decades. They can actually defend now. They've got great goaltending that, that, I mean, tons of goal scoring. I'm not super high on the depth of their, you know, forward core and their ability to play team defense in terms of their, you know, group of top 12 forwards. But other than that, I mean, they're a powerhouse team and they're showing that in the regular season, like they always do. Now, that being said, I, I definitely think if the Habs 
face them in the playoffs, they could beat them. But if yeah. they don't, like we're not at the stage. The Habs I think, aren't in I, the, think Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg could beat Toronto as well. Yeah. And the Habs aren't in their stage of their build where – I mean, it's not the end of the world if we lose to them. I mean, it would suck having to fucking deal with their fans. Could you imagine Twitter? Could you imagine? It would be brutal. But realistically, it's not the end of the world for us. If if we beat them, though, and that would be a very tall task, I think they're capable of it, but it would be an insanely tall task and an impressive task if they uh, complete it. But if they if they uh if that if we do and that and the Leafs lose that is catastrophe for the Leafs like fucking catastrophe like yeah. because the question marks that are facing this franchise moving forward with Anderson possibly leaving you got to re-sign Hyman and Campbell or Anderson or whatever there's a lot of things going on there and Matthew's only got a couple more years left in his deal before he can go wherever the fuck he wants so I mean I as much as the Leafs they're better in the regular season than us right now. I mean, I'll take it because I think the long-term outlook for the Habs is, is looking a lot better. In my I, can't wait, I can't wait to see Matthews just, just <laughs> threaden the needle to, uh, to Phil Kessel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said on Twitter today, Toronto's, Toronto's windows now. If Toronto doesn't win within the next two seasons, they're not winning. Because in three seasons from this season, they lose everyone but Tavares, Tavares and Riley. Basically, between now and that third year, everyone but Tavares and Riley are go- are free agents. Well, I'm not saying they're going to lose them, but they're free agents. And have we heard anything about Felino? Is he got hurt? Yes, he got hurt. Uh, from what I've heard, and I've got some inside sources here, so this is a, an exclusive for Habs Unfiltered. Uh, it's nothing serious right now. They're swelling, and he's going to have to get an MRI. But uh, the expectation is he'll be back. Okay. But if he do- if he doesn't come back, that's a first round pick they spent to get some grit. Now I love Nick. Nick's a great yeah. player, yeah. and he's exactly what they needed in Toronto. Yeah, and if he's him. unavailable in the playoffs, that's a huge loss. Mm-hmm. That's bigger than losing Matthews, in my opinion. Especially when you paid what you paid and. And they've cons- consistently been chucking around first round picks like they're nothing. That's going to bite them in the ass in the long term. That's it's going to be like what happened to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh right now is playing good hockey, but their their farm system is is, is gone. Bottom tier of the league. Now to bring it to, back to the Habs. Um, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you look at how long it took Toronto to get to where they are right now. They haven't even won a playoff series, and it's taken almost ten years of top 10 picks and losing some uh, and slowly building up, winning a little bit, spending big money on free agents, almost 10 years. They have not won a playoff series. Meanwhile, people are, uh, people are all over the Canadians because they're in year four. This is the fourth season of this retool. The Habs have actually won a series during this time competed for the playoffs pretty much throughout most of it. And they have a decent team this year that could maybe win a series. So I don't know why the, the Habs fans are so down on the team, especially with prospects that we have the, uh, the team as it's built as it is right now, uh, the way the cap is set up, there's going to be players leaving, opening up cap space. So you can keep your younger players. It's, that portion, that's that part of the uh, the team building, Bergevin actually did well. 
he's still missing pieces. Don't get me wrong. And he has fucked up quite a bit in the past, but the team is set up for success down the line. So, you know, have a little bit of, you know, sprinkle a little fairy dust on there, a little happy time, have a smile there, Habs fans. You just beat the Leafs. They're the biggest juggernaut dynasty franchise ever created. And you won a game. So enjoy it. It's because the I mean, fans he's, hate- got a, he's got a respectable core on defense, even though they're aging. He's got a fairly young or in their prime, you know, group of forwards. And then he's created literal waves of prospects that will just keep coming over and over. I mean, yep. another what? We're down to 10 or 11 picks or something in this upcoming draft. I mean, the amount of players we've drafted, you know, wait till Yolonen replaces Byron, you know? Wait till Paling's up with us and Norlander and all the all of them. Like it's just gonna keep coming and coming and coming. Meanwhile, the core is still there. And the team has been without a sniper, a game changer for for several years. And we see what Caulfield's doing. This is a kid who can just score. You put the puck on his stick and magic happens. He hasn't gotten a regulations goal yet, but he's he's hit the post what five times. He's a, vol- he's, a volume, he's a volume shooter. It's yeah. going to come. Look at, look at Gallagher. Obviously, he doesn't play the same style as Gallagher, but Gallagher's a volume shooter. It's The puck's going to go in the net eventually. But this is a kid that could end a game or change the, the complexion of a game on a shot. And that's what the Canadians have been missing. So there's that one. That piece. all doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why it doesn't matter, because fans hate Bergevin. They, they and Jonathan like Drummond. Apparently, yeah. But it, it, it's true because you, you got to take Bergman's tenure and, and you got to separate it. And I said this before, like it's two separate GMs. His first five years, he was the bad GM. And why was he bad? Even though they were more successful, he was bad because he didn't build on the core he had. Right. He just let it go, let it go, let it go. Put in plugs, put in plugs. And it didn't, they didn't go anywhere except 2014. Then he was like, you know what? I got to do this from scratch. I got to start over again. I'm almost positive Molson said, well, we're not, we're not going to bare bones. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're not. I still want to be competitive. So he, he went about it the way he's doing it. The same way LA's rebuilding their team, the same way uh, Chicago's rebuilding their team. They're keeping core players, Price, Weber, you know, some older players are keeping them around. And they're, and they're building through that. So now you got to look at 2017 as the new GM, which is still Bergevin, but a new GM who took over the team and started from with. From 2017 on, I think Bergevin's been spot on with what he's been doing. Well, he finally got something that he was uh, that uh, pre 2017 Bergevin didn't have centers. Yeah. But he, how did he get them? He got them exactly the way he said he was going to get them. He's going to draft them. Well, Suzuki, he traded for Suzuki, but he had to give up uh, Pacioretty, who, by the way, is one of the top goal scorers in the NHL right now. Yeah, he's not as high as Toffoli. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely, I'd like that you brought up Molson for the first bit of Bergevin's tenure because I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted especially as you know fairly new ownership they wanted to turn the ship really quick and they did have some younger approaching their prime core pieces that it would have been like okay let's try to make this work with what we have and they I mean they almost did and I think the big thing was uh, I think it was around the the Radulov season and then what happened with Markov um, they probably should have started the retool a little sooner than what they did 
that's my one complaint about that. But uh, like you said, Treg, I'm, I'm all on board for what he's been doing since. And um, yeah, that's all I got. And if he, if he loses his job, the next GM is set. He's set. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. he set this team up for the next GM perfectly. So. Yeah. And down the, and, and like you guys said, down the middle, that's, that's key because guys like Suzuki and Kakanyemi are going to continue getting better. And when, you know, Suzuki is a bit of a hybrid, he can shoot and he can pass. Kakanyemi seems a little bit more pass first, but when, you know, you pair these guys with Cole Caulfield, who like you mentioned, and like we've all seen up to this point in his development, he can just rip shots from anywhere on the ice. He can deflect them in. He can, you know, the, the goal he scored in overtime, and I understand it's three on three, but the angle that that puck went at, the, like you would expect that puck to go opposite side, you know, blocker on Campbell mm-hmm. as Caulfield's a right-hander, but he took it. And just the way that he can weight transfer on his legs and pick whichever leg he wants to fire off of, is unbelievable and it totally throws off the trajectory and the angle of where the puck's going and it went opposite corner over the glove of jack campbell it's just really impressive that he has the wherewithal um to do that and i have a feeling that and i I might have seen it or read it somewhere that he's actually into the science of the game and how that works um and you're already seeing it in the way he shoots the puck oh yeah he he practices how to shoot different ways of shooting uh, he blindfolded. There was actually time uh, he, he practices in the summertime blindfolded puts the, uh, just puts the net where it's supposed to be and blindfolds himself and shoots from everywhere. So he does it on pure instinct. Like, this kid's <laughs> going to be good. He's going to be good. Yeah. Well, he has 28 goals to go before the end of the season, before I consider him a bust or not. <laughs> I said does he, he had that break- 30. 30- does he finish he had to have uh, with 30 goals? I think he does. What? It. Does he finish with more goals than Matthews? I think he does what? it. He better. <laughs> or, or or what's the point of having him? Yeah. If he can score he got, more than Nick Robertson, then we've got ourselves an all-star in the making. <laughs> <laughs> he has more game-winning goals. Actually, he has just as many game overtime goals as Wayne Gretzky. It's true. It's true. He's got two game-winning overtime goals, overtime goals. <clears throat> in the regular in regular season and Wayne Gretzky only had and I could I just blew my mind when I seen it today he only had two of course then he had those Edmonton Oilers rarely ever went to overtime so well that and they <laughs> didn't have overtime for quite a while in his during his career well up until 83 yeah still um <clears throat> Yeah. What Trey's saying is Caulfield's going to be better than Gretzky. You heard it here first. No, he's going to be <laughs> as good as Gretzky. <laughs> but I mean, the kid is clutch. He's got seven professional games in, and four of those games, he has scored the game winner. Yeah. yeah. Only scores game winners. I'll take 30 that. A game, uh, 30 a year. So there's 30 wins. Bam. <laughs> That's 60 points. There you go. Um, all right. So we're going to, the last point of today's show the playoffs so the canadians are now tied in the third spot with winnipeg if given the choice would you rather face edmonton or toronto in the first round and why we're going to go with our guest matt i'm i'm dying by the sword man toronto maple leafs all day i want to see that series i think you know, hockey in general will be better for that series. I think it would be an absolutely 
entertaining, exciting, excruciating, stressful, amazing, you know, week, week and a half or whatever it would amount to. But um, I want them. I think we're one of the only teams in the Canadian division that truly matches up well against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think we match up well against anyone, to be honest. Uh, the, the Leafs being the, the tougher test of them all, but let's get it out of the way in the first round. Let's play spoiler. Let's absolutely fuck them over, piss off their fans, keep this slump going for the Toronto Maple Leafs, frustrate the hell out of them and just punish them in round one of the playoffs. I mean, it would suck to lose and deal with their fans, but uh, I'm not so sure it would, it would go that way. I think over a seven game series facing this team over and over again, the physicality that guys like Josh Anderson can bring and our decor can bring as a whole, I think would really, really frustrate them. Um, not only the, the physical aspect from our defense, but the, the ability to shut the stars down and make them get into their heads. Maybe, you know, all you got to do is win a game or two and they've got a goalie controversy on their hands. Whereas as good as Jake Allen's been, Carey Price is our guy. I mean, that it is what it is. We know that. So uh, yeah, definitely Toronto Maple Leafs to start. Okay. Treg. I think it's going to be Edmonton because I think they're going to get past Winnipeg. Um, I think they could beat either or. I think they'll have an easier time with Edmonton. And I think I'm a bit biased about this because I don't want to deal with the Toronto fans if we lose. So uh, uh, I think uh, only because I think Mike Smith, as good of a season he's having, I think he's going to be, I don't, I still think he's a question mark and goal. If you can contain uh, Dry Saddle and McDavid, you can beat the, you beat the Oilers. That, that's basically their entire game right there. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to play Edmonton in, in the first round. I think they're going to beat Edmonton. I think if they play Toronto in the first round, I totally agree with Matt. I think they're just going to lay the body on them and completely beat the shit out of them, and I think they'll win. And he's absolutely right. As soon as Campbell loses a game or two – actually, I think they'll go with Anderson when he comes back healthy. And as soon as he loses a game or two, they'll throw Campbell in there. And then if he loses, everyone's just going to be so confused on what to do and who to blame and – uh uh, but uh, in and that that's the way it'll go. But in reality, I think we're going to end up playing Edmonton. I think Winnipeg's going to end up getting Toronto. All right, hometown Matt, what do you think? Who who would you want to face? Personally, I'd like to see them uh, face Edmonton in the first round. Um, so far against the Oilers this season, the oil the Oilers have scored the least goals of any opponent that they've played. What's gotcha? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I have, I have a, I have photo evidence as an exclusive photo evidence of how the centers and for the forwards need to play McDavid to shut him down. And it's, it's, it's exclusive. It's out there, but it's exclusive. Um, so you just need, just need to play him like that. <laughs> so that is right? for those who are listening and not watching on YouTube, it's, run into him at an airport and hold on to him in an awkward photo pose as he stares into the distance, wondering what the fuck have I done with my life? <laughs> so you just need to do that and you'll get him really frustrated. And he'll start throwing elbows at people. So we don't know what happened after that photo. Maybe he threw an elbow at one of those guys, one of the people in the photo. We don't know. He um, did. He, he elbowed <laughs> the old lady in the head. So but back to the, back to the point. I think, uh, I think the Canadians have proven that they can shut down, um, players like McDavid and um, and Drysdale 
And I, and I agree with Trey. I think that um, Smith's had a really good season. Um, however, he's a guy that it's very easy to get in his head. And he lets in a couple soft ones. That's it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and for me personally, I want to see the Canadians play Edmonton in the first round. And it's not because I want to avoid Toronto. I think the Canadians can beat Edmonton. But for me, I want to see a Toronto-Montreal second round because I do feel the Canadians can beat Toronto. All things considered, you guys covered pretty much the reasons why. Uh, But I want it in the second round because I want to see the memes that come out on Twitter and Instagram and everything for King of the North. I want to see all kinds of King of the yeah, North memes. We, we the North. <laughs> we the all that shit. I want to see I hate it all. That so much. I, I totally so want it co-opted by the Canadians, so that when they do win, you get you put little crowns on everyone. Just just to fuck with people. I think it'll be more fun because most of the people we interact with that are Leaf fans, between the four of us, we're friends with people who are Leaf fans. Yeah. We interact yeah. with them. Yeah. We, there's a little bit of a fun back and forth. I, li- I live here. Exactly. Yeah. I grew up there. <laughs> so you got that little circle that we, f- that we chirp back and forth with those guys. It would be fun. The rest, all the other noise, you can yeah. mute that and ignore it altogether. But that little circle, I think would be a lot more fun if they were in the second round. That's why I want to see Edmonton in the first round. My, my one worry is that if we face them in the second round, I mean, it, I guess it could go both ways now that I'm thinking of it. But my one worry is that if they get past the first round, they're going to have so much momentum that there could be more chance that we drop that series to them and then to lose it. And then they're the Kings of the North after it and everything. But I get, like I said, it could go both ways. I wonder if they, you know, pardon my French, blow their load after the first round. And then they absolutely just shit the bed after that. Well, so I don't be. know. Play in Winnipeg. Winnipeg would be a heavy, French, heavy team. Sacre bleu. <laughs> but Winnipeg's a very heavy team. They're, they're very physical. They would be pounding the snot out of Toronto at every moment. So it, it's, a, it's a game of attrition with the, with the Jets. So if the, if the Leafs do get past them, which, you know, technically they should, but if they do, they would be, they, they would be pretty beat up. They might have a couple of the key injuries, uh, all bumps and bruises and the Canadians would probably have a lesser physical series playing against Edmonton that would give them an advantage. So uh, I think that evens things out a bit and it would make for a much better series in my opinion, if it were in the second round. And even if the Canadians lose, they still made the second round and you can live on that. Meanwhile, Toronto's going to face off against Toronto uh, against Tampa and get swept in four. So. Well, and that that's the thing I wanted to bring up if we got time here is, Oh yeah, I truly believe the North Division is the weakest division in the NHL. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me. I, I think it's the weakest division in the NHL, and and so once you get out of the North, I don't think anyone in the North is going to make it farther past the North. Really, like the uh, North. Is, honestly, I agree. I agree. You know, like yeah. I don't care who we are—Montreal, Toronto, or whatever. And I guess this this goes back to Toronto, but how or we talked earlier about the records and do you think uh, McDavid would be on 162 and eighties? And I don't, and I only believe we are because we're there's some weak teams here. Like Matthews kicks the snot out of Montreal. 
He scores on almost every game he plays against Montreal. He kicks the snot out of Ottawa. They don't always win every game, but they score. And I truly, this is what I kind of hate about this. And then this, this season, because also you're going to get, when we do beat Toronto, you're going to get the, oh, you're just there because of COVID. So you wouldn't even be in the playoffs if it wasn't for COVID. But you can say that about any team, every team, because they only played their own division. Like, I could say, well, Toronto only had 71 points because of COVID because they were playing Ottawa, <laughs> us, and Winnipeg, or Vancouver Canucks 10 times a year, right? So, like, it's just, and I, I don't know. I'm rambling now. But, well, I'm, uh, glad you, I'm glad you say that, Treg, because the Toronto uh, media kind of owns the stage. I know the Montreal media has the French aspect, um, yeah. but in terms of the, you know, the Anglo fans, the Toronto media, and even their fan base, it's, it's bigger than ours somehow. Um, uh, they, they own the stage. And if the Leafs win and they are Canada's team, they'll be all hail the best thing ever. Yeah. But I guarantee you, um, if the Habs happen to be Canada's team, because the Leafs uh, media and Toronto media owns the stage, they're going to sit be saying exactly what you said, and they're going to try and do anything they can yeah. to discount it and say that no, no, Montreal only did it because of this. So I think I definitely think you're right. Well, just look at last season in the bubble; they did exactly that. Yes, Montreal was brought in in that 2014 play-in because they're a bigger market. There is no doubt about that. It was. They stated it in their press release, but once you're there, you're there. You got to win your play-in. The Canadians won their play-on play-in and made the playoffs. Meanwhile, Toronto shit the bed, missed the playoffs. Sorry, Lee fans, that wasn't a playoff. That was a play-in. It's part of the postseason, but it wasn't the playoffs. So, and some, fan, and some fans bitched about that that they won they that series and they didn't get a top ten pick. Whatever. Look at uh, look at how it helped Suzuki but, and Kotniemi's purpose. But but and they still got a good pick out of it. They got Caden Gooley. We That's had right. that. We had the tougher opponent too. Yeah, we did. We yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's exactly I, I, what the press did. They played up that whole COVID thing, so you can be guaranteed they'll do it again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, under story, the whole Leafs media and, and Toronto uh, media, every single one of them picked the Penguins to absolutely demolish us. The Habs had no chance. So really it was a Cinderella story. And then when the, if the Habs pulled it off, it wasn't treated that way whatsoever. <laughs> no. Well, no, TSN did it today. TSN's headline on their website was Montreal uh, beats Toronto in overtime. Then, then they, they changed, changed it. it to Montreal have steel game from Toronto in overtime. And if you can go on Twitter, someone has it side by side. It was like Habs defeat Toronto in overtime, then Habs stole game from Toronto in overtime. Yeah. So Some they made upper. it sound a little bit better for Toronto, even though, in the essence, both of them are the same goddamn thing. Like they still lost in in a conversation. And like you said, who cares if you lose? You have seventy one points. You're like, you're gonna win the division. So what? <laughs> You know, you played a good game. It just so happens. Campbell didn't make Montreal a save at the end of the last minute. So like editor and Leaf would say, you know what? let's no one ignore that, that last minute of hockey and the overtime and the Leafs got the win. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting yeah. playoffs and 
I would, you know what? I don't even care if Montreal makes it to the second round. I really don't. As long as they play good hockey in the first round, I'm happy with that because they're not there yet. They're not a contender. They're not no, they're there not. yet. Let them get playoff experience. Anything after the first round is a bonus, in my in my opinion. Let's let's give our guest uh, the last couple of minutes here. What do you got? Well, one thing I will say, just to jump on what uh, Treg said there, is I mean I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and expect the Habs to go on a run, and I'm not going to say, oh yeah, they have a decent shot at the Cup. But at the same time. I don't think there was a lot of people who expected to see Dallas in the cup final last year either. And I think the Montreal Canadians have a decor that is built similarly to what the Dallas stars decor looked like last year. We, you know, we don't necessarily have our high skin in. We'd be asking for Jeff Petrie to, you know, pull a lot of weight. Hopefully he can, but you know, you never know, especially depending on what we get from uh Carey price. And, you know, granted, it's not like he was consistent last regular season either. And then we saw what he did in the play-in. And he was not the reason why we ended up losing to Philly. So if we get that same carry price ready to step up and go on a run here, um, on top of the uh, goal scoring that we have through and through with the lineup, you know, you hopefully get Gallagher back healthy. You know, you have Caulfield in there now to fully doing what he's doing. And hopefully KK can kind of come around here. Um uh, you, you never know, especially if they beat the Leafs uh, and, and then, you know, uh, see what happens from there or Edmonton or whoever it is. But uh, yeah, I'll be happy with, I'm happy with just making the playoffs this year. They earned it. And that's all I was asking for. They, they earned it and uh, they deserve to be in the position that they're in. I think every team would, and we've heard it, uh, uh, you know, all the players come out and saying this is one of the most difficult seasons they've ever played. So to see the Habs, you know, face adversity multiple times, throughout the season have some slumps here and there have the median fans you know really going off on them and still manage to you know stay consistent with their messaging and uh, work hard every night that's the one thing this team really has never quit and they've they've earned their their spot in the playoffs so I'm, I'm quite pleased with that well Matt couldn't have said it better ourselves and I want to say thank you for coming on the show we are so happy to finally get you here uh it's criminal that it's taken this long, but uh, it's we're going to get you back on much sooner next time. I, I cannot wait to be back. You guys are stellar people. And, uh, you know, I've met uh, yourself, Blaine, and, and Treg in person at Bubba's there and would love to do that again. And I can't wait to uh, cross paths with, uh, with you, Matt, as well. Absolutely. So Absolutely. It's our- the better we can have some beers, that'd be great. As soon as this pandemic could fucking end so we can <laughs> go back to life. Yeah. So, um, just, uh, just to give our listeners a quick, uh, quick shout, where can they find you? Pretty much, uh, just on YouTube. And as I, I put my stuff on, up on Spotify as well, just for ease of listening, but uh, the main spot is YouTube. I do game reactions. I got a buzzed up and bake series as well. That's just kind of fun. And I'm, I'm hoping to have you guys on soon in person. I want to do it in person. Yeah. So, uh, so there's that, but yeah, definitely look out for the game reactions and just discussion on my YouTube channel, Scotian Canadian and on Twitter at Scotian Canadian. Perfect. And Matt, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, We really appreciate you taking time out of your day, especially with a newborn. We know how hard that is. Uh, This is a great way to escape and quietly say, sorry, honey, I'm working. So (laughs) we're doing you a favor. You're doing us a favor. It works out. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it, guys. And for our listeners, thanks for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. 
Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. Shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 